Hey, Matthew. Guess what? What? It is still Christmas time on Pop Culturally <laughs> Deprived. This is episode 188, and today we are wrapping up our Christmas films with the legendary Dolly Parton and her new Netflix movie, Christmas on the Square. Christmas. Jink, 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 jink. Um, okay, so last week you argued with me that Jingle Jangle was not actually a Christmas film. Christmas, it was definitely not a Christmas film. Christmas had zero bearing. Was this a Christmas film? Mmm, mmm, discuss. Uh, I think so. I think so, because... Obviously it has a very religious bent to it. They use the idea of Christmas. I mean, it, she has it in her poem opening Christmas song. Christmas, uh, you know, is time for giving and people who don't realise it's better to give than to receive are the mm-hmm. poorest off of all and so on. Other such Christmas messages. Um, so I think it has the Christmas spirit to the film. And obviously part of the point is it's about everyone being evicted over the Christmas period. Hmm. Although the timeline is a little shaky. I mean, it all happens over the course of a single day, basically. They did it in a single night. But of course, they're spirits. They can do that. (laughs) That's neither here nor there. (laughs) Um, I find it quite fascinating that you argued so intensely last week that Jingle Jangle is not a Christmas movie, but you will say this one is. Because I think... That if you're going to make those arguments for Jingle Jangle, you would have to make the same arguments for this one. Because the fact that it was Christmas had no bearing on the story. Mm. All the songs were Christmas themed. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is true. Mm-hmm. But the songs really didn't contribute to the plot mm. at all. Mm. We didn't have like Ghost of Christmas Past. You know, we had yeah, we Angel. Did. <laughs> we, but we had Angel. And Angel, Angel can be there anytime. Angel doesn't just need to come out at Christmas. I mean, yes, I think it's a Christmas movie. So, yes, I do think it's a Christmas movie. But I just find it interesting that all of the arguments that you made for Jingle Jingle could, in theory, be made for this movie as well. Yes. So that yes. that's the only point I was trying to make. So are we saying that Dolly Parton's character is called Angel? She said her name was Angel. Okay. <laughs> you I, were I, paying attention. I really want a version of this that then has David Boreanaz, who's like, we're here to help. Not the hair, never the hair. Do we get to put him in rhinestones and float him on a white cloud around the kitchen? <laughs> absolutely. He would. He absolutely would as well, wouldn't he? <laughs> um, oh. Oh, okay. Okay. Y- yes, you are right, as much as I don't like to admit it. But... <laughs> I mean, no, no, I'm, I'm just saying I, I do think it's a Christmas movie. It was mm-hmm. written to be a Christmas movie, but Jingle Jingle was also written to be a Christmas movie. Yeah, this, this is so... much closer to a- actually being a Christmas movie on those terms because the Christmas, sp- like I say, the Christmas spirit is part of it, the ethos mm-hmm. of the season. And mm-hmm. I mean, this is one of my, my big things about this film is that it is a Christmas carol alike. Yes, it's just you know, a very loose adaptation. It is It is kind of ripping off a Christmas carol, and you could make the argument that Christmas is not important to a Christmas carol. 
the closest it comes to being important mm-hmm. is the fact that Bob Cratchit wants some time off work. Mm-hmm. But the Christmas season, it's actually about looking back on your past, making changes for the year ahead, the goodwill of the season of, of it's better to give than to receive. And that is absolutely fundamental to the story of this film and the message of this film. So I'm going to go back. Way back. Let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go way on back. <laughs> I didn't even know go. you. I didn't even know much more. Does that song supposed to have words? Oh, no, scotches. I had no talks with degrees. All right. I'm going to think it's all the way back to January 3rd, 2017, mm-hmm. where we talked about a little movie called Die Hard. Die Hard. And we had an entire conversation about what constitutes a Christmas movie. Yes. And Have you re-listened, or are you just trying to recall the conversation? I'm just trying to recall the conversation. <laughs> I might actually end up saying the wrong thing here, but we've also had this conversation many, many times over the last mm-hmm. three plus years. Mm-hmm. Four. Oh God. Let's just call it four. four yeah, years. Yeah. I, I, four years. I'll let you off Holy a couple crap. of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I genuinely think that we ended up coming out of that conversation and most conversations saying that. If the movie takes place over Christmas, it's a Christmas movie. No. No. I think I came out of that conversation yes. saying that. Yes. Let's let's not use this we, royal or otherwise. The, the way I look <laughs> at it, this is the thing I've said before, so I'm going to say it again. I apologize if you remember and you use it in your own arguments for this exact thing. There's a difference between genre and style. And it depends on how you talk about it. Christmas, people mm-hmm. talk about as a style of film. So set at Christmas, it's got snow, it's got present giving, it's got looking back on the year and goodwill toward toward men, and so on. Mm-hmm. But when you talk about a Christmas film, you're trying to talk about it as a genre, genre of film, mm-hmm. where, like sci-fi is a technically a style of film. But mm. romance is a genre because romance heavily in- implies what is happening in the story and what is involved in the film. Yeah? It, I mean, sci-fi is a genre too. Well, but you could have a sci-fi gangster movie, a sci-fi romance movie, a sci-fi... True. Sci-fi doesn't tell you True. the story and what happens in it. It tells you something about the aesthetic and okay. the concepts okay. that no, they're in. And, yeah. and again, with fantasy, and even, you know, gangsters are not a good one because you could have a gangster romance movie, frankly. Right, West Side right. Story. Um, but if you talk about Christmas as a genre of film, I just like saying the word genre. Genre. <laughs> genre. Um, I think you should be meaning Christmas is integral to the story and it's actually part of what we're telling here. And part of that is, I think, the Christmas Carol message is the epitome of it. So, Okay. Yes. Okay. Rather than Jingle Jangle, which was a Christmas-style movie, mm-hmm. rather than a Christmas movie. All right. That's, that's, that's where I come down on that line. But every year we watch more films that just push that line a little bit more into the grey. <laughs> Fifty Shades of Christmas well- Grace. <laughs> so much so that the first movie that we watched for our Christmas movies... Ended up not being a Christmas movie at all that we wholeheartedly agreed on and we had to, you know, schedule it out a little bit. Yeah, so, basically. You know. <laughs> it, yeah, we're, we're pushing that pushing that line for sure. Mm. Okay. okay, so Good. I want to set up this movie just a little bit for everybody. <laughs> I, because I want everybody to know just how excited I was for this movie. <laughs> because this movie is a Christmas movie. 
It's a musical. Dolly Parton wrote all of the songs. Debbie Allen directed and choreographed it. It's got Christine Baranski and Jennifer Lewis doing like a rage ballad at each other. Like this movie, I was so, it came out on my wedding day and I very nearly made Joseph watch this with me after the ceremony. I didn't because we had decided at that point we were doing it for the show. So I knew I had to, you know, actually pay attention, Mm -hmm. but I was so excited. I very nearly watched this movie on my wedding day because it's Dolly Parton Christmas musical. (laughs) Debbie Allen directed it. Come on. It should not get any better than that. Right. So that's where we're starting. That's the expectation going into the movie. Do you have anything to add? Um, I didn't realize that Debbie Allen played Avery's mother on Grey's Anatomy. Oh, really? It's only just looking her up now. I'm like, ah, okay, she's the mother of the pretty one. Cool, 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 cool. Okay, but you know that's not what she's famous for, right? Oh, okay. I was just looking at the headlines on her thing. What is she famous for? Um, Fame, the TV show. Fame. Uh, she got into directing and producing with A Different World. Okay. Um, Neither of which are shows that did particularly well over here. Um, and then she opened the Debbie Allen Academy of Dance. Oh, cool. She Good has her, her own um, Netflix special right now, which I haven't seen yet, but Everybody that I know who's watched it has said it's amazing. Mm. It's um, her dance academy doing the Nutcracker. Cool, 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 cool. Um, she's done some other things. She's Felicia Rashad's sister. I mean, she's not famous for that, but just so you know, <laughs> Mrs. Huxtable, oh, okay. Grandma Journey. Oh, okay. Who was in, in the thing the last movie week? Last week. Ah, okay. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Debbie Allen is just all around wonderful. Okay. And of course, now she is in Grey's Anatomy. She directs episodes of Grey's Anatomy yeah, now as well. Yeah, that's the interesting thing. She's a prolific director. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. and she's a wonderful director in almost everything I've seen that she's directed. <laughs> what What could you have seen that she's directed that has not impressed you? <laughs> oh, my God. Matthew? Tell me what you I'm thought sh- of Dolly Parton's Christmas on the square. Not that square for my English listeners. Another square. But still Christmas on a square. I am struggling to think of a worse movie that I have ever seen. No. Oh, yeah. No, no it was struggling. not that Particularly, bad. okay, how about we, we take it to 2020? Like, I don't think I've seen a worse movie this year. Mm. It was bad. I'm trying to remember what else we've done that has been disappointing. I, th- I think it's not been a bad year for films, certainly on the mm-hmm. podcast and in general. So, yes, I could see that. Um, Wait, so you don't agree with my assessment that it was bad? So, last week, I loved Jingle Jangle, and you said it was a bad movie. (laughs) Jingle Jangle was... This week, I'm saying this is a bad movie, and you're not agreeing with me? There is a kernel of something good here. And I've said this on a few films this year, I think. There is something in this I go, I quite like this. I, I quite like what it's doing and where it's going. I mean... It's really hard because it's so alien from, uh, as we've talked about, my lived experience. True. Middle America, South Middle America, Bible Belt. No, this was Kansas. This was <laughs> this was squarely Middle America. But you know what I mean? Like, Bible Belt America. Um, yeah. 
the, the church is the center of everything, so on and so forth. This this view mm-hmm. on on Christmas, Christmas where it guarantees to snow every year, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So it was enchanting. It, it didn't. To it you. didn't speak to me. Well, it it didn't speak to me in. Oh, I don't even know where I'm going with that idea. <laughs> well, well, so it wasn't relatable to you. Yeah, and that's really hard because the things that are relatable, I go, oh, that's boring. So that's why this wasn't super boring to you because it was a new idea. But maybe, new... maybe that's maybe that's the difference here. Where where the British okay. films, I go like, oh, okay. Oh, hey, look, mm-hmm. it's Britain, but Jane Judy Dench and Stephen Fry. You're like, <laughs> okay, cool, yes. Well, I've seen him in a thing. I've seen him in a thing. Oh, look, it's Treat Williams. You know. <laughs> no, the cast. We see Treat Williams so walking down the street phenomenal. every day. <laughs> <laughs> the cast of this was so phenomenal. It should have been so good, but it just wasn't. It just wasn't like, I'm pretty sure I laughed through the whole beginning, starting with the green screen behind Dolly Parton. Like, why did they feel the need to put her, like, to edit her in later Mm. and then put this weird glowy filter around her to make it look like she's not edited in, which only draws attention to the fact that she's in front of a green screen? Like... It didn't make any sense. Okay, I'm looking at the list of films what I have watched this year. And I'm doing it in rating order. So I'm going to pull out a couple of films that this was better than. This was better than Die Hard 4.0. No, it wasn't. By a million miles, frankly. This was better than X-Men Dark Phoenix. Well, yes, everything's better than Dark Men. Well, I haven't seen that one. X-Men Dark Phoenix. This was better than Breaking Dawn Part 1. No, it wasn't. Um, This was better than Zombieland 2. This was better than Jingle Jangle. No, it definitely <laughs> this wasn't. This was better than So I Married an Ex-Murderer. This is better than Captain America Civil War. It's better than <gasps> Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Oh my god, no. It, no, to most of those. <laughs> it's better than High School Musical 2. It's better than John Wick 3. No. <laughs> what? Uh, and it's on the same level as Moonstruck, uh, Twilight Saga, Breaking Dawn, Part 2. And okay, John Wick, I'm Chapter just 2. Gonna, I'm just going to tell you that you're wrong. <laughs> and You're allowed to be wrong, but you are wrong on... on all of the movies I have seen that you just listed there, even Moonstruck, are better than this movie. So there's a bit where she goes to the hospital um, for her brain scan. And on the way there, she starts reminiscing about her time in the town. Mm-hmm. And we get the story. The story that they've... I'm going to use the expression hinted at. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> In some ways, that's the charm of it, how cheap this film was. Just on a quick tangent. She walks into Prometheus's shop, and he turns to her, and he's like, Christine Baranski, who I haven't seen since your father died, and you took over the town, and are now deciding to sell. What can I do for you today? And it's just the opening ten minutes of the heaviest exposition dump of who everyone is, how they relate to each other. It's the worst. Interspersed with song lyrics that some are spoken and some are actually yeah, sung. That is is kind of yeah, a mood poem about Christmas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a bit weird. So so yes, we finally get this story that's been hinted at <laughs> in, in the build up to it. And and the story is she thought that young Treat Williams wasn't into her. She ended up having a fling with another guy who charmed her, um and ended up getting pregnant and her father took the baby away from her. And said that she perhaps needed to lay low and even disappear for a bit so that she didn't get a 
reputation in the town. Mm-hmm. Which again is a probably a very genuine experience for small town middle America. I, mm-hmm. Well, especially know, in the, the time period that they would be referencing. Yeah, presumably, let's say 1970, 1980. Somewhere around that. They're saying she's at least 50, if not yeah. 60 plus. Somewhere in, you know, quite a broad range, right. but fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. Um, I mean, there's a whole thing in that. That's the story of Fontaine in Les Mis. Mm-hmm. You know, and when autumn came, he was gone, and now the tigers come at night, which is glorious. Which is one of my favourite story moments in in musicals, certainly. Okay. So it speaks to that. Fine. And she finds out that her father took the baby away, but then didn't get rid of the baby. I don't know a better way to say that. There, there, there was an in, in, implication that her father was hard-hearted and awful. Although I don't know what she thought he'd done with it after all this time. Other than give it up for adoption. And then she finds out he gave it up for adoption. And actually he cared. I, I don't... No, I think she knew. He, she always knew he gave it up for adoption. But I think she thought it was to strangers somewhere far away. Rather than... Okay. Spoiler mm-hmm. alert. Ended up being... No, let's not, no, 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 we're going to come to no. that. We're going to come to that. The whole okay. thing around that was wonderful. Fine. So she her her heart grows three sizes, and she wakes up on Christmas morning and realizes that the spirits have done it all in one night. Hey, you boy, what day is it? It's Christmas. I haven't missed it. Great. She has that epiphany moment, which happens at the exact moment that the girl that she's bonded with in probably the best scene in the film, her bonding with that child, because that child was extraordinary. Yeah, yeah no, I can. Fun. I will agree with you on that. Yeah. The child is almost dead in a car wreck. And she instantly has to go into action to do something. And I like that because they're doing ex- they are doing the Christmas carol at that point. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but where Scrooge wakes up and he buys the biggest goose and he gives Bob Cratchit a raise and takes food and presents to them and gives money to the poor. She leaps into action in the same way, but it feels more tangible action. It feels like more actual steps to show that she is becoming a different person. And particularly because mm-hmm. she's not doing it to get credit. Right, she's, right. She's, that's you, know, you know, call the person in, get it done, whatever it needs to be, we're, we're going to get this done and, and fixed and so on. They don't quite go far enough with that. And I'm annoyed they don't go far enough with that because it just fixes it. Mm-hmm. But I do like that take on the Christmas story, that it's not just that and suddenly he's a great man and everyone loves him and he is adored forever and he always kept Christmas in his heart I like that it's he can't just start giving presents away you have to go and do stuff and and her moment in the church where she asks for forgiveness she sings a whole song about I know I've done you wrong please forgive me and I will mm-hmm. I would be better in the future is beautifully done I really like that thing so I like that like it got to that point and I had to pause it and say you know this is good. This is actually quite good. This is... I can see they're going to a good place. And then it falls away. And it doesn't quite deliver. And it becomes... It goes back into maudlin and sappy. Mm. Which is a real shame. But I can see there's something in that. I can see someone watching this and going... "What an You know, like I've done. What an interesting idea. Why don't I write the story that actually delivers on that idea? Mm-hmm. And maybe five, ten years we get the Christmas Carol 2.0. <laughs> told in a modern way in a really interesting fashion. 
I didn't do enough reading on how this came to be. Mm-hmm. Actually, you know what? I have the Wikipedia article open. Let me go look at that really quick. So this isn't clear. So what I think happened and what it feels like happened is they had a loose story, which is good, which is what you're saying. The loose story, the the loose adaptation of the Christmas Carol, particularly the reason why she is the way that she is and how she overcomes that literally just because she learns the truth, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's usually, a, that's often enough mm. for us to realize that our perspectives were wrong. I think that has a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. So then I think what happened is Dolly Parton wrote all of these songs. <laughs> and most of the songs, unfortunately, are dialogue. Mm-hmm. And then the screenplay writer had to come in and shoehorn the rest of the dialogue in the story around these songs. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the problem. Yes. It's, it's... If we had had a story first mm-hmm. and then songs to fit into that. It would have gone so much better. Yeah. It's it's like how in video game writers used to be brought in and say, hey, we've got all these set pieces. How do we link mm-hmm. them? Make a story around them. It, it is exactly that thing. And and the thing that's really disappointing is bar for example, I think there's about 14 songs in this. And there's about four mm-hmm. of them that are not maudlin and sappy. Perhaps even maudlin I... or sappy. But... Don't actually remember any. No, that's not true. The The first song of the movie. No, it's not even the first song of the movie. See, I can't even remember. They're not memorable. But one of the songs I was already familiar with because it's on Dolly's new Christmas album. Okay. They didn't release the soundtrack for this movie. But two of the songs in the movie are on that soundtrack mm. or on that album with, with Dolly singing them. And so I was semi-familiar with the songs. But in general... The songs were utterly forgettable. They had, they weren't catchy. They had no great hooks. And for Dolly Parton to have written them is flabbergasting to me because she is such a good songwriter. Agreed. You know, she's given us things like I Will Always Love You and Jolene. Nine to five. Nine to five, right? (laughs) And then we get an entire movie of. Dolly Parton songs that should have knocked it out of the park, and they're just lackluster. Mm-hmm. Um, the New York Times review, I think, kind of nailed it. Okay, they said the songs aren't Parton gold; they're not even Parton bronze. <laughs> what they are, though, is committed to the task at hand. Some percentage of wit, wisdom, and attitude that every number seems to call for, and with double the amount of exposition. Hmm. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think because you've got the the first two or three ensemble songs, which are great, and then you go straight into the pastor and his wife. Pastor, 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 pastor and his wife. <laughs> um, singing about how much they love each other and want a baby. Mm-hmm. Now we've gotten that from the ensemble song. We knew that. We know that Hamilton's clever from the ensemble song. So when we get to to Hamilton's I Want song, he doesn't need to be clever. He needs to start telling us stuff. But this is, mm-hmm. oh, hey, look, they love each other and they want a baby. Well, that's cool. Good. Thank you. <laughs> and then you get into Christine Baranski and Jeannie Mason handing out eviction notices. Well, we've already had them handing out eviction notices. Mm-hmm. Um, you do get Jennifer Lewis singing at her, which is great, which is really good. 
But then you just get into Treat Williams singing about memories, Dolly Parton singing about angels, Dolly Parton singing about lamps. You get you get the wickedest witch of the of the middle, which is good, which has a good idea behind it. But by that point, it's like I, I know all this. I know you don't like her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do something yeah, with what true. you're doing, and and it just always seemed to be either delivering on something we knew or. It's this is the sort of song you skip on the soundtrack album. <laughs> Most of the songs felt like filler exposition, mm. it's, and it's a real really, shame. It's, yeah, yeah. Um, the wickedest switch of the middle is a clever idea. Mm-hmm. The song itself, I hated. It. Yeah, it's really mean. It is really mean, and they're singing it in a church, right? And the pastor joins in, like he. He starts by saying there's no bad idea, and that's when they start singing the song of all these terrible mm-hmm. things they want to do to this woman, like kill her. Like they're literally talking about killing yeah. her, like beating her up and killing her. And so he says, I spoke too soon. There are bad ideas. But then he joins in the singing mm. of the song. I just, I didn't know what to do with that. Yeah. I didn't know what to do with that. It's not good. So it's hard. There, there is, there is a lot to slate this film about, and I think I'm going to go for one of your golden cows. Is it golden cows? Sacred cows. Sacred cows. Sacred cows. Okay. You, you said that you know Dolly Parton. It's not Dolly Parton gold. It's Dolly Parton bronze because Dolly Parton is a great songwriter. She's given us some of the great songs. Do you want to know what Dolly Parton's not good at? She. Oh, I think she's a fantastic actor. She is not a good actor. I think she's a great actor. She Dolly is Parton terrible. is the only good thing in no, this movie. She is terrible. Imagine if she was just coming on and singing occasionally and an actual good actor was doing the angel stuff. No, no, I think she's a great actor. And it's it's hard because I don't remember her standing out in 9 to 5 and it made me realise in 9 to 5 she's not Dolly Parton doing right. Dolly Parton's Christmas film and she's mm-hmm. there with Lily Tomlin and... Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda, thank you. <laughs> um, all I can think is Christine Bransky, obviously. So, um, <laughs> but, so but in this, I she think... is Dolly Parton. And you can see that no one's saying no to her or giving her advice or telling her to do different things. And it's really funny because we just watched the final of the most recent Drag Race season. And she has a little bit on that where she has a phone call with one of them. And she acts just as well in the silly phone call on Drag Race as she does in this. Oh, okay. So I think I would differentiate Dolly's acting while she's singing and her acting, actual acting mm-hmm. with real speaking parts. Mm-hmm. And you would think that her singing acting would be the better of the two. <laughs> it is not. The singing acting I struggled with. Her acting acting I loved because she's so full of wit snarkiness sarcasm and she just delivers it like she has really good comedic timing no and she that i love about her absolutely does not oh i think she does <laughs> she's terrible and it's hard because i mean she's not up against the best cast i think we're about to talk about the cast but there is some good in here there are people delivering on good things christine bransky is perfect in this part oh no I mean, Christine Baranski is a great actress. She's not a great singer. No. Treat Williams is a good actor. He is not a singer. 
And and when you do cast the woman who won So You Think You Can Dance, you have a scene where she dances. Right. Jeannie, whatever her name was. Uh, Jeannie Mason. Janine Mason, sorry. Yeah, there's a whole bit where suddenly she's in a ballet studio doing ballet. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, so she's the famous dancer. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> I didn't know that, but cool. Mm, okay, mm. that makes that makes that scene make a little more. Well, sense. exactly. That's why I had to look <laughs> her up. I'm like, this is this is a bit random. There's a reason they're doing this. Mm. I referred to the pastor as Prometheus because mm-hmm. he played Prometheus for a whole season on Arrow who is one of the bad guys. He was the season-long mm-hmm. bad guy, guy in it, who has the most boring name, Adrian Chase. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's even more boring than Oliver Queen, frankly. And there was a whole thing in that. Prometheus was originally voiced by Michael Dorn. He was originally voiced by Worf. I'm like, this is awesome. They've got Worf to come and be the bad guy on Arrow. Awesome. Okay. And then they unveil him, and it's this pretty nice, tall, white guy. Bit oh. random, but fine. Um... They do the same thing here. Like, in, in the Arrowverse, people are in masks. Bad guys, particularly, are in masks. Because we know them in real life, so they're keeping the secret that this person we know in the real life of the story is actually the bad guy. I mean, mm-hmm. Flash does it almost every single season, and frankly, it's a joke at this stage. Um, they do exactly the same thing in this with the reveal at the end. The fact of her reading, like... And Regina Fuller gave birth to a baby boy who was adopted, and his name is... <gasps> and they don't say his real name, as though we're going to go, wait, who could it be? Who, but who could it be? <laughs> like, there is one, <laughs> one single character in this story who is age-appropriate and, and is not female. So it's clearly going to be him. <laughs> like, why right, why right. are you even trying to keep this secret? So suddenly she turns up and like, oh... Oh, but I hadn't realised you pulled the wool over my eyes, you clever film. <laughs> You're not wrong. How did how did we go from talking about the cast to talking about the, the terrible twist? Well, I'm talking about the cast. So I'm talking about Josh Segura being the pastor. He was he was awful in this movie. Oh. He was as good as I would expect him to be. I mean, and and it's really it, it is not easy to play a, a man of the cloth, a person of the cloth, unless you also have the and I'm having doubts or I'm going through some significant situation and so on. When when you have this, I'm a community leader and supposed to be an all round nice guy. Mm-hmm. It's not an easy but- part to play because you can almost only do it as incredibly vanilla. Right, I guess. I feel like he stuck to the script so much that every single syllable written on the script he said out loud. <laughs> like there was no turning do not into don't. There was no turning going to into gonna. It was just plain, boring, monotonous. He didn't put emphasis on things. Okay. Like I like kind of recognized his face mm-hmm. and was like, I wonder if he's just a singer, like, because he's a good singer. Yes. And I was like, I wonder if he's a singer and this is, like, his first acting role. Mm-hmm. Like, is he just not accustomed to this thing? Like, what's happening? And then I looked him up and was like, oh, no, I saw him. He was good on Arrow. Hmm. Ish. Hmm. He, you know, he, he, he was versatile yes. on Arrow. Hmm. 
So I don't understand the the choices made for this character. Mm. It was wooden, very, very wooden. He originated the role of Emilio in On Your Feet, the story of Emilio and Gloria Estefan. You know, he <laughs> okay. he is an a, a stage actor of this sort in mm-hmm. musical, so like you know, he's not a bad choice for it. But yes, he's also a pretty bland person. Yeah. Yes. Um, is there anyone else on the cast you want to comment on? No. Anyone we have commented on that you want to go back to? No. So I talked about how this was doing Christmas Carol alike, mm-hmm. Christmas Carol light. Um, and it had a moment that seemed to be referencing, pulling from Les Mis. Les Miserables. Mm-hmm. I feel like this film was trying to do that throughout. It's, it's one of those where, where I watch it with, a slightly different eye because I'm going, oh, that's interesting because it feels like it's a reference to the Blues Brothers or that's interesting because it feels like it's a reference to... In fact, there was a direct reference to It's a Wonderful Life where she references George Bailey. Mm -hmm. Throughout, there seemed to be just this evocation of other films and other um, stories. I mean, it was basically... Let's just throw every Christmas movie trope that's ever existed in the world into this one movie. Yeah. But the the dancing in the church scene deliberately felt like, t- towards the end, deliberately felt like they were trying to do that scene in the Blues Brothers, where they were all dancing in a church. It, mm-hmm. it was shot and felt so similar that like, oh, okay, this feels more like a... Not pastiche. What word am I searching for? I don't know. On, no, not honorific. Like it's like it's honouring the thing and referencing it rather than an homage. An homage, merci beaucoup. Homage. Um, It felt like an homage to Blues Brothers rather than just something that happens to be the same. Okay. And again, that's why it would earn an extra point or two because it's like okay, this this feels like someone who knows their stuff putting together something to evoke some of those feelings and those vibes as you go through to be like oh. I can understand her situation because it's so similar to Fontaine. And it's really similar to... Mm, this is a spoiler for a recent series. So I'm not going to say it. But if you watch it and you know the series, you can hit me up. Because it's one of my favourites. <laughs> Rats. <laughs> right. um, and that's another one, another reason why I would say, you know, it's not good. It's definitely not great. But it's not bad. Can I tell you what else the New York Times said about it? <laughs> what else did the New York I Times? Loved, I the fount of all great reviews. What did the New York Times say about it? <laughs> well, I mean, I could read you the one that that's uh, hey, where's where's this other headline? Dolly Parton's Netflix Christmas is nearly is almost incomprehensible. Like that's one I could pull from, but I'm trying to pull from. Okay. Something okay. a little. I mean, this film is not complicated enough to be incomprehensible. It's a pretty simple film. <laughs> All right. So the New York Times also said, "It's bad. The sort of bad that knows what it is. Campy rather than camp. Campy is camp with a diploma and a martini, and Christmas on the Square is a drunk." Mm-hmm. I feel like it wants to be more. 
I don't feel like it knows how to be more. It, it, right. I don't think they intended this to be campy. No. I think they were taking it very seriously, and it just came out wrong. I've not seen too much of the other Dolly Parton films, the Dolly Parton Presents type films, or Dolly Parton is an angel, or isn't there one where she's a, a Christmas film where she's a country singer who dies and becomes an angel or something? That's Unlikely Angel, the one that I absolutely love. Yes, yeah, which I started and went, mm, don't think this is going to be for me, I'm going to stop. Because um, <laughs> she did one called A Coat of Many Colours. She did. I have not seen that one. I wanted to, but okay. I haven't seen that one. Because I, I feel like this is just what they're all like. They're just a bit no. cheap and not well done. No. Okay. No. But see, I don't even know why this one feels cheap. Because Netflix usually spends money on the things that they do. Like, I just... I don't get it. And this wasn't... Filmed during COVID. They filmed this in the summer of 2019. Right. Crikey. And then they just delayed releasing it a year. Mm. So, like, this wasn't a COVID budget. This was normal, what they wanted to do. I mean, is, is it hard because it's a Netflix film and it's going up against, you know, Jingle Jangle, for all its flaws, was not a cheap film. Right. You know, that you, you could see the money in it and the quality in it, mm-hmm. to be fair. For, for everything else I'll say about it, that was good. And when you look at things like... The Princess Switch films. You look at what what was the one that we watched about the baker, or the girl in the town, and they had all the flour that we watched last year. The guy who came forward in time and he was a knight. Oh, the Christmas Prince. Christmas Prince. Is that it? No, no, no. Oh, Night Before Christmas. Night Before Christmas. Yes, was. another night, one where they had the title Christmas. and wanted the yes, yes, yes. yes that's what it was. Yeah, whatever else you say about that, and that you know, we quite liked that film. Whatever else yeah. you say about it. You can see the quality of it. Mm-hmm. There's no... I, I can't think of a moment in this where I went, oh, that looked good. Oh, that was impressive. Mm-hmm. That was... It all just felt, hey, we've got these two sets. <laughs> and this right. square. It, it, it felt a little bit like they adapted a stage play but forgot to actually turn it into a movie. <laughs> right. I don't yeah. know another way to describe it. Yeah, that's fair. I, I, you know, I have to say, I'm sorry. Like, all I am doing is bashing on this movie. <laughs> like, the only reason I finished watching it was because I knew we were recording about it today. Right. Like, I genuinely <sighs> dislike oh, this harsh. movie. That's hard. That's hard. A lot. Okay. I do. I do. Um, but I can tell you there were two things that I liked. But before I tell you those two things, mm-hmm. there's one other thing that I have to complain about. And it's super nitpicky. Mm-hmm. And I know they did it because it's a Dolly Parton movie. And Dolly Parton is super Southern. Okay. She's... Did you notice? She's from... Nashville? She's from Tennessee. Tennessee. No, she's from the Pigeon Forge area. Okay. but So Eastern Tennessee. I said Nashville. I meant Tennessee. The two words yes, are sort yes. of interchangeable in my head. I know they're not. I know they shouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, Dolly Parton is super Southern. And so I know that's why they did this, even though this movie is freaking set in Kansas. Did it jump out at you how many times they said bless her heart? Yes, because I was annoyed with the way they did it. Yes. It it was so pointed every time they wanted you to notice it every time mm-hmm. she said it. I think it was intended to be like poking fun at, you know, when Southerners say bless her heart. They, they really mean saying, 
F you. F that B. <laughs> right. Exactly. This movie takes place in Kansas. The wickedest witch of the middle. That's interesting. I did not realize they it was in Kansas. They don't say bless her heart there. They said Kansas at the end. Okay. I missed that That's why Sorry. I know it was Kansas. Okay. Um, so the, the continual references to bless her heart just irritated me. Okay. I'll tell you why, why it irritated me. Slightly different reason then. They, they mm-hmm. do it at the beginning when she's in the bank and the woman, they're all complaining about her and the woman says, oh, bless her heart. And it's annoyed. And she does it then in the church in exactly the same way, but as a, she's covering up for someone else who wants to say something even ruder. So mm-hmm. so they've taken the thing, they've doubled down on exactly what it means, and it feels like what they're setting it up for at the end, her to do something nice and the woman to go, oh, bless her heart. And say it right. really legitimately, and to do a proper rule of three, deliver mm-hmm. on the joke. Mm-hmm. And they threw it away with a bless her heart about the girl dying in the hospital. Weirdly, because they did it three times, and like the third time didn't mean anything. It was just right. I I don't understand. And and you're absolutely right. They're doing it that third time to make the earlier two times funnier. With a oh, they were actually mm-hmm. swearing at her with a. The way southern women swear at other southern women. Yeah. Mm. Disappointing, because when they did it the second time, I'm like, oh, this is good. They're setting up for a really nice inversion at the end. Nope, nope, they forgot. Nope. (laughs) And apparently the writers forgot that people don't generally use that phrase outside of the South. Okay. I use it. Did you use it before you met me? Nope. Nope, use it entirely <laughs> because of you and Josie. <laughs> um, okay. Can I give you my nitpicky thing? Which yes, is kind do. of the same nitpicky thing as we had from Jingle Jangle. She's at the hospital. The girl and the father turn up. There's been a car wreck. The girl is almost dying. She goes, get me the most amazing pediatrician in the world ever. Get them on a helicopter. Get them here now. Get this girl saved. And they happen to be 100 miles away there is a, a tiny town there is a, there is a song sung, and by the end of the song, the pediatrician is there and able to start fixing her. <laughs> Wonderful. Great. I like that she went into action and made the thing happen. That's mm-hmm. good. And she didn't want credit for it. They, they don't make a point that she doesn't want credit, but she didn't want credit. Fine. Right. Dolly Parton sings a song about angels, twinkly golden light, and suddenly the, the girl wakes up. Is it science that saved the girl or is it magic that saved the girl? Because they're saying it's the angel's love that woke the girl up. And if you've also if you're gonna have a moment of we need an amazing pediatrician to save her, and then we're gonna have at the end the 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 father saying, I know what you did, thank you, you saved my daughter. Well it looked very much like it was Dolly Parton and her sparkly golden magic that saved the child. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And and it's it's on the wrong side of the line between whether you know we trust in science and evolution and things or we don't. I could tell when you got to that bit in the movie yesterday because you texted me. <laughs> Did Dolly Parton just make the pastor's wife pregnant? Dolly Parton. That's a question up you probably never thought you would the ask. The pastor's wife. <laughs> she stands outside the window. She did. Sparkly golden magic. Into the pastor's wife's womb. Yep. And the pastor's wife goes, oh. I believe in angels. 
So like somehow she felt it, knew there was an angel there, and just was immediately all I believe in angels. Yeah, feel it when Dolly Parton's knocking no you sense. up, I'll tell you that. No clearly. Yeah. Um <laughs> It's just the whole the whole thing about the pastor and his wife needing kids and the fact they're going through uh fertility treatment is utterly irrelevant, except for the pitch at Middle America. This nice couple who are together, who want kids and aren't able to have kids, they're trying to have kids because the heteronormative lifestyle that we're all living. Yes. But it's irrelevant. You could have wiped that from the film and no one would have thought, ah, oh, I wish they'd had more story. Because it's not even a story. It's not even anything. You know what would have been a better story? If this was more of... Because there was a slight twist where Felicity was an angel in training. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, if we had had her story, like more about, well, how do you become an angel in training? Mm. Is this the first time that she's been trying to change somebody's heart? Has she failed? Or like, mm. what's going on? That would have been a fun story. Yes. But we got all this extra stuff we didn't need. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. So can I tell you the other thing? So the, the one thing that there are two good things in this movie. Okay. One you disagree with me on because that's Dolly Parton's sass and her acting because I love it. <laughs> Crikey. The second Okay, what's the other thing? There's a line in this movie that just spoke to my heart. Hmm. Grief is just love with nowhere to go. Hmm. That line... I love. Yes. It is a, it is a, a very nice sentiment. It's a very nice sentiment. Mm. It's it's a way to help you process your grief, mm-hmm. to understand grief, and it it was done in such a way. Those aren't terms that I've heard grief described in before and I related to it. Yeah. So, I enjoyed it. Mm. That's it. There's okay. nothing else in this movie. I am so sorry. If any of our listeners are actually still listening right now, I'm so sorry. Like This has been almost an hour of us just dragging on this movie. It's interesting because it has been a little while since you were really excited for a film. And I don't think we've ever had you quite as excited and then disappointed for a film in four years. Oh, I think you might actually be right. There were some that had high expectations, mm. but I don't think there's one where I was, you're right, this, I mean, excited enough that I was almost going to watch it on my wedding day because <laughs> that's when it came out. Um, I I could not fathom, like, the idea that this could be a bad movie did not exist in me until I sat down to watch it. But I knew within the first 30 seconds, mm. I knew. Like, I started laughing. Oh, no. <laughs> and then, like, I covered my eyes, and I kept listening. And then when she appeared to uh, Christine Baranski, mm-hmm. and she was floating on the cloud, <laughs> I just, I mean, I, I just laughed. I couldn't stop laughing. And that kept happening throughout the movie. And, and they weren't good laughs. It was laughing at. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. With. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's so disappointing, Mm. so very disappointing, but it does appear that you have enjoyed this movie more than I did. Yeah. I wonder if that's my expectations were not as high. I I feel a little bit like this with Jingle Jangle. 
Okay. I, I, I think I was expecting that to be a great sort of modern adventure Christmas film. Mm-hmm. And it just wasn't. It wasn't even an adventure film. And and then had flaws that annoyed me as it went on. So I think this has okay. the, the same sort of thing in the other direction. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I think my, my relative lack of experience with Dolly Parton as well. She's so good. She is. Oh, I, I have all the time in the world for Dolly Parton. I think she's wonderful. I think she's an amazing person. And we should all try to be more like Dolly, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, but my relative lack of experience with Dolly Parton films. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So what have we not talked about that you liked in this movie? You know how you said you laughed and it was bad because you were laughing at it? Yes. I have one moment like that. And it's okay. the most amazing moment because I did not expect that. It. And it's just, it's so heavy handed. You know, I've talked about everything else in this and it's it pretty heavy handed with a lot of what it's doing. When Christina Bransky, whose name is Regina, amazing, wonderful. And, and that's part of the thing with the beginning of this. You, you would already warn me that you hadn't liked this film. We started watching this and we're instantly on Regina's side. Yes, she does need to get out of this town. Yes, they should all get evicted because they're awful <laughs> people. <laughs> when she finally becomes good, in inverted commas, and reconciles with her adopted son, her son who has mm-hmm. been adopted, um, and and decides not to sell the town and so on and so forth and to the Cheetah Mall, <laughs> which I like. When he introduces her in the church, and his little sermon introducing her is pretty good. He has tears in his eyes. I like that. She is clad head to toe in white for the first time in the film. Yep. It's so heavy-handed for her to be like, and now I'm going to stand here, and now I'm suddenly a good, nice Christian lady who's going to stand here, and you're all going to forgive me. And she sings a nice song about wanting forgiveness and how bad she's been. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And And I liked the... The bit where she makes comment at her best friend who she's not been so nice to recently. And her best friend does instantly forgive her there. It's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're going to get on from this. Mm-hmm. It's well done. Except that she's dressed head to toe in white. Like, if she had a stylist, they'd be like, no, you can't do that. You need some color. It's, it would be it's, oh, it's too much. That didn't surprise me at all. <laughs> the, the tone of this movie, the fact that it, I mean, it's very heavily christian Mm -hmm. very heavily Mm -hmm. christian and it's dolly parton like that didn't surprise me one bit i mean dolly parton wore white the entire time yeah dolly parton's an angel i'm fine with angels all in white (laughs) when felicity becomes a full angel yes you know she's in the rhinestone white Mm. um when they're introduced christine baranski to us she's wearing big dark sunglasses and red gloves and then she sings her power i'm gonna evict everybody (laughs) right yes it's yes it's her movie (laughs) get everyone out of that town get your money get paid girl yas queen yeah Yeah. so i'm i mean it didn't bother me I, i i think i snickered but then it was completely overshadowed by dolly parton appearing above the altar oh, yeah. in the, the back of the church well I guess the front of the church and then she spreads her arms and her big angel wings come out while she's just floating up there I crack up it's bad cracked up it was bad yeah. it was bad okay I I can't say anything else about this okay. movie um, do you have anything else that you need to say about no it's a shame I, I don't think I've seen Janine Mason in anything but I quite enjoyed her in this so I am going to look out for mm-hmm. her in more stuff she's another great person isn't she 
Is she? She was recurring as Dr. Sam Bellow, a surgical intern. Oh, she's one of the people who was on Grey's Anatomy B Team, the, the web series. Oh, she's the that. Oh, I remember her now. And she, she was. She um, went to Switzerland to Luca's girlfriend, mm. and she got deported. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she got deported. Okay. Um. Anyway, okay. So, what's next? Um. Next final Christmas film of the year, Holly Date. In fact, it would it be even better film. if it was called Holly Date. It's called Holiday. 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 Yep. Holiday. The one that we mistakenly thought was a Christmas movie, which is why we recorded it weeks ago, yeah. and turns out it's not. <laughs> it's not a Christmas film, despite being called Holiday and released at Christmas. We need to vet these better. <laughs> <laughs> we're just like, it's on Netflix. It's got holiday in it, in the title. It's Christmas. We're going to do it. Where is Night Before Christmas 2, frankly? I know. They did Princess Switch Switched Again. And I didn't even watch the first one because I didn't no. like it. And, and but they didn't give us The Night Before Christmas 2. Like, come on. People have been slating the Operation Christmas Drop thing mm. as being very pro-military and other things. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Yeah, Holiday. I think this is the first time we've had to do one of these previews where we have already recorded it. Probably not the first time, but it's the one where we knew immediately that's what we had done. Yes. <laughs> we didn't have to look it up. We just knew. <laughs> okay. So, if you're still listening to us, thank you. Thank you for making it this far. And I'm curious if you enjoyed this movie. Because it, it has mixed reviews. It, it really does. It's at like 63% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, on critical reviews, an average rating of 5.4 out of 10. And I think Letterboxd is about the same. Mm. So, I mean, and there, the, the EW review of this, the Entertainment Weekly review, was pretty smashing. It was basically, Tolly Parton can do no wrong, so this is amazing. Um. So I'm just curious, were you able to overlook some of the flaws in the movie and love it just because of who made it? Do you have anything to add to that? I don't think so. I'm looking at the track listing for Holly Dolly Christmas and I kind of want to go and listen to it. The best song on there is the one that she duets with um, Jimmy Fallon. Oh, no. That's disappointing. Yes. I was hoping you were going to say Pretty Paper. Pretty Paper is one of the great Christmas songs. Dolly Parton and Willie Nelson duetting Pretty Paper. I'm here for it. I want to go and listen well, to I that don't. right now. I'm not a big fan of Willie Nelson. So. Okay. Pretty Paper. Go and listen to Roy Orbson doing it. Superb. Okay. We'll go listen to Dolly and Willie. Mm. Alexa, play Pretty Paper by Dolly Parton. Pretty Paper by Dolly Parton from Catherine Spotify. So, yes, I am going to edit out the fact that Alexa did start playing it, but I'm going to leave it in so that if anyone else is playing it out loud, they are now getting getting to be treated to that song. Amazing. There we go. There we go. <laughs> hey, Google. All right. It... <laughs> all right. If you would now like to yell at Matthew for triggering all of your smart home devices. Okay, Siri. That. <laughs> On Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Eloquent Gushing. Or you can send us an email at podcast at eloquentgushing.com or... You can do it with your voice. Like, just actually yell at him by going to speakpipe.com slash eloquentgushing. I am on Twitter at Mandy K. And I'm on Twitter. Hey, Bixby, look up Matthew Vose on Twitter. 
Also known as at Matthew Vos. Thanks. Uh, Pop Culture Deprived is sponsored by Hey Cortana. <laughs> There's so many of them. There are so many of them. Hal, open the Bombay doors, please. Um, Pop Culture Deprived is completely sponsored by our lovely listeners on Patreon. Anything you give, even if it's just $1 a month, it helps to support the network. It helps us to create and deliver our shows like this. And it means that you get access to exclusive content, bonus content, early content, all sorts of exciting things. So if you want to find out more, you can go to patreon.com slash gushing. And next week, we will be back with our final episode of 2020. Where, as we said before, we will be talking about the Netflix special. Well, it's not a special. I guess it's an original holiday. Until then, I'm still Mandy Kay. And Christmas is a time for sharing, knowing you've been blessed. Oh, God, we didn't even talk about the rhyme scheme in all of the stupid songs. <laughs> I'm sure there's a bit where she rhymes is with this. <laughs> Which don't rhyme. <laughs> Fair, but... Every song, every song had, it felt like an elementary school poem Mm -hmm. where every line in the poem had to rhyme. Mm. And you don't have to do that in good songs. And Dolly Parton knows Mm -hmm. that. Okay, I'm done now. (laughs) 